Here's something interesting. After a big week for politicians on both sides of the aisle, another big week is coming up as Democrats prepare for more debates in Detroit and Republicans rally with President Trump in Cincinnati. Hi there, I'm Chris Oaks. Welcome to the Here's Something Interesting podcast, where we talk with interesting people with interesting things to say about interesting subjects. And by the way, before we get into today's episode, mentioned that we are now available on Stitcher, the podcast also available on iTunes, on Google Podcasts and Google Play Music, and on uh, Spotify. So I think we're on just about all of the largest podcasting platforms now. And as we have said before, if you like the podcast, obviously you're listening to the podcast right now. Please tell your friends, help spread the word. Uh, We're just starting out, but I think we've got a really interesting program and we would love to get more people listening. So spread the word. We certainly do appreciate it. And now we get to the subject at hand. It has been a big week in politics for both sides, if you pay attention to such things. And next week, the storylines promise to be just as big. And as we've mentioned, uh, I am in Ohio here where the podcast originates. So the stuff that's coming up this week is pretty close to home for me. Democrats will be preparing uh, for the next round of debates in Detroit in the week ahead. And Republicans will be rallying around President Trump in Cincinnati. And with us to discuss it all is Andy Puzder. He is the one-time Labor Secretary nominee under President Trump, who is also author of The Capitalist Comeback, The Trump Boom, and The Left's Plot to Stop It. And no big surprise, Andy, where either of these events are being held, Ohio, Michigan, along with Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, put Mr. Trump in the White House. And for context here, Donald Trump won Ohio by less than a half million votes and the other three by less than 78,000 votes combined. I know the Democrats see it as essential to switch one or more of those back to the blue column. How critical do you see it for the president's reelection bid that he carry all of those states again in 2020? Well, he has to carry them. Uh, if he's going to win in 2020, those are, those are very critical states. And I think states that, given the, um, the current economy, will, uh, will, t- will tend to support the president because... Uh, that's where voters generally go. They generally vote with their wallets, and right mm-hmm. now their wallets are pretty full. Yeah, historic, uh, historically, uh, the, when the economy is good in an election year, the incumbent president uh, wins re-election. And I know that yourself and others within the party hierarchy kind of have taken issue with what you feel is the underreporting of some of the good news about the economy in Ohio and, and other states. Um, and, and, uh, again, that makes, that makes sense. Uh, Democrats want to talk about anything other than the economy at this point. Well, then they should. I mean, President, President Trump's record on the economy has been spectacular. And it's, it's good for listeners to recall that when President Trump was elected and said we would have 3% GDP growth, that the Obama-era economists, the Democrats' economists, all came out and said that'll never happen. Larry Summers, who had been Secretary of Treasury and President of Harvard, came out and said believing in 3% GDP growth was like believing in tooth fairies. And, of course, uh, the next quarter we had 3.2% GDP growth, and for the year, year over year, we had 3%. So they had to desert that argument. 
then they went to this argument that it was just a sugar high based on the tax cuts, and then we had 3.1% in the first quarter of this year, and that argument kind of went uh, went underground. Mm-hmm. Then they jumped to, well, it's only benefiting the rich. Well, it turns out that uh, it's harder to find uh, today in this country a blue-collar worker than it is to find a white-collar worker, that uh, wages for blue-collar workers have gone up 3 4 3.4% year over year. We've had 11 months with 3% plus wage growth for American workers. That's meant a lot over the last year. It's meant about $1,500 more in an average worker's pocket. Uh, so they couldn't argue that anymore. I think Elizabeth Warren has really come up with the argument that they'll they'll probably stick with, which is that eventually there'll be a recession. Uh, you know, she's now saying, "Well, there's a recession on the horizon." Well, it's mm-hmm. not on the horizon. The economic numbers are are, are really spectacular, better than they've been in decades. Uh, but eventually, there will be a recession. We do have recessions following uh, periods of economic it's growth, the natural... and we will have a slower period. It's just not going to come anytime soon. Yeah, it's the natural cycle of things uh, eventually. But and and those statistics that you cite, uh, they are all great statistics, and and uh, they're irrefutable numbers. But isn't the president a bit responsible too for uh, allowing? Uh, himself to be kind of dragged in, maybe baited a little bit by the uh, Democrats into talking about all these other ancillary things instead of la- being laser focused on the economy. Well, there, there, I, you know, I have, I have two feelings on that. One feeling is that he is who he is, and uh, President Trump's a fighter. And if you challenge him, he's going to he's going to fight back. And mm-hmm. we see that anytime somebody challenges him. So a lot of us feel that that sometimes he should he should lay back and 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 not uh, respond to these ancillary issues. The other side of that is that he's really a very, he's much more wise, smarter politician, I think, than people give him credit for. And I know I was, I was kind of upset when he went and um, talked about these, uh, these four members of the House of Representatives, you know, mm-hmm. should, if they don't like it here in America, they should go back right. to the countries they came from. Right. But, you know, he, he, it, it ended up unifying the entire Democratic Party behind these four far left, uh, you know, I, really off the planet leftists. Uh, it it kind of unified the whole Democratic Party behind them. So, in some senses, it may have made political sense to do that. Uh, so, as I said, it, you know, I, I think it, judging his actions uh, given the last election and how nobody expected he'd win and the positions he took led he, him to the presidency. It is. So, it you know, is I, a fair, you, you got to be a little careful when you criticize the guy. <laughs> it is a. It is a fair uh, fair point that he has uh, done some very unconventional things. And it has uh, somehow seemed to work out uh, against the political odds to this point. But you mention uh, the the fact that it seems many, especially on the left, have come to the defense of uh, that that group of progressive congresswomen. Uh, they are known as the Squad, uh, AOC, and and her uh, compatriots there. But I, I'm wondering if. Uh, again, in the larger uh, strategy, there might be um, a, a potential downside in that, in that does uh, uh, framing the entire party around those freshman congresswomen, does that make some of the candidates in the presidential race, particularly maybe Kamala Harris, uh, Joe Biden, even Pete Buttigieg, look moderate by comparison? Well, I, you know, I, it could, but I, making those people look moderate is really going to be tough. I mean, you, you've got them out there. All of them support the Green New Deal. 
uh, you know, which is would bankrupt the country. And it's, uh, it, you know, it, it's uh, it's an absurd and ridiculous. Even Nancy Pelosi knows it's an absurd and ri- ridiculous proposal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all behind Medicare for all, which, which, by the way, I have to say, I think in this country we do need to figure out how to increase the quality of health care and decrease its cost. Uh, but the only thing that will ever do that is competition. Competition is the only thing that ever decreases costs and increases quality. Uh, so when you when you put something in, in the government's hands, the thing that goes immediately is competition. And so they're all in support of this Medicare for All, which is another disastrous program. It's very hard to, to paint the, this, this group of candidates as anything other than far left. I did think Joe Biden had a shot at kind of taking the middle here and um, and holding himself out as an alternative that wasn't supporting policies that were you know borderline crazy mm-hmm. uh, but even he's now moved to the left he's, he's come out in support of things that he never supported at any other time in his political career in an effort in an effort to keep up with his, this this uh, trend of his party to go left it reminds me uh, you know many of your listeners are, are younger than I am but I remember the election back uh, when uh, uh, when they uh, when they nominated uh, McGovern uh, as the Democratic presidential candidate, and uh, again it was a big move to the far left by Democrats, and mm-hmm. he lost. They got killed, uh, and uh, we had uh, you know many more Republican presidents uh, up until the time of Bill Clinton. We had far more Republican presidents than Democrats, and mm-hmm. it it it, uh, it it can hurt the party. And I think that uh, I think we're going to see. I think we could see the same thing this year if the Democrats stay on this far left bent because the the country's not behind it. One other uh, question on the economic side of things that we were talking about just a moment ago. And again, we talk about there is an awful lot of good news economically to highlight and and talk about and and promote in the president's reelection bid. But there is growing concern among economists. You can't really discount it. Uh, Many economists are increasingly concerned about a slowdown coming up in the next year. And when uh, you have an economic slowdown, again, historically, that has uh, been an an albatross for uh, the president's re-election bid. Can Mr. Trump survive if we do see a bit of an economic turn? Uh, certainly, he can he can uh, he can survive. I think he'll survive very well. It, in this this talk about an economic slowdown, you know, maybe we won't have three percent GDP growth this year. I think a number of economists are saying we won't, but there are some who are saying we are. Mm-hmm. But you've still got to remember we we've got we've now had a, uh, four, fourteen straight months where there have been more job openings than people unemployed, and yeah. in June there were one point four million job openings, uh, more job openings than people unemployed. Look, that's that's a tremendous number that gets underreported. That means that if everybody that was actively looking for a job today took a job, we'd still have 1.4 million job openings with employers competing to fill those spaces. And the way you compete for employees is by increasing wages and benefits. Mm-hmm. So you're going to continue to see this real benefit for working-class Americans. And I don't think most working-class Americans care if GDP is 3.4% or 2.8%. I think they care about whether they've got more money in their pocket. And this economy is benefiting working-class Americans. And I, I'm very confident they're going to go to the polls and uh, and vote to continue that support once uh, once the election comes around. As we mentioned, the week coming up is going to be another big one for politics with those uh, Democratic debates Tuesday and Wednesday in Detroit, the uh, Trump rally on Thursday in uh, Cincinnati. What do you expect to see from both of those events? Real I think more of the same. You're going to continue to see the president go out there and try and, and 
convince people that economic reality is in fact what's happening, not this this uh, these phony baloney stories that the Democrats come up with. They're trying to cut back on uh, the great accomplishments of his administration, and you will hear the Democrats come out and try and attack the great accomplishments of this administration. It's uh, Do, does we'll see whether that... whether propaganda or truth prevail, but I, I I don't expect to see a lot of change in that respect. Does uh, all of what we see happen next week get overshadowed by what we saw happen this week with uh, the Robert Mueller hearings uh, in uh, Congress? God, I hope we don't keep talking about the right. This this. this um, I, I'm, hope, I'm hopeful that, that Mueller put to bed this, you know, the idea that the president can be impeached or that there was some conspiracy or collusion with Russia or that he tried to obstruct justice. This, we really need to move beyond this as a country. If this is all the Democrats have, and they don't have a whole lot more, but if this is all that they have, then I think their chances in 2020 are, are, are not very good because I think the American people realize that they've been, they've been hosed, they've been deceived. And uh, the people like Rachel Maddow and MSNBC were, in fact, leading them in a completely wrong and ridiculous direction, uh, that these people are suffering from Trump derangement syndrome, and that we need to get back to running the country, supporting our president, and making sure that as a nation we do what we need to do to advance America's interests. And hopefully they'll, they'll come around to that, but I'm, I, I doubt very seriously that they will. And that seems to be where the nation is. Certainly in the uh, early numbers, we have not seen any sort of uh, increased call for uh, impeachment hearings, so it uh, does appear that you are indeed correct in, as to where the country is with respect to the uh, Mueller uh, investigation as of right now. Again, uh, Andy Puzder is... Uh, one-time uh, Labor Secretary nominee under President Trump, author of The Capitalist Comeback, The Trump Boom, and The Left's Plot to Stop It. Mr. Puzder, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Anytime. And, you know, this might be an interesting topic. Maybe we'll work on uh, doing this for a, a future episode of the podcast. As Mr. Puzder was uh, mentioning, the president seems to be more politically savvy than, than maybe some people give him credit for. But I wonder how much of that is Mr. Trump's uh, ability, innate ability to tap into something that works politically that nobody else has been able to before. And how much of it is just the fact that he's had good luck with his timing and he's captured kind of lightning in a bottle and come along with the right type of message at the right time to appeal to the right group of people. Is it timing or is there something that he is just really, really good at that he alone seems to have that touch, politically speaking. Uh, anyway, it's a, it'd be an interesting topic for discussion. Like I said, maybe we'll work on that for a, a future episode of the podcast. In the meantime, if you find this topic interesting, we can discuss it more on the Here's Something Interesting Facebook page at Something Interesting Podcast. Hope to meet up with you there. I'm Chris Oaks, and if you enjoy the Here's Something Interesting Podcast, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Like our Facebook page and share it with your friends that might find this stuff interesting as well. Until the next time, thanks for listening.